Welcome to the Dark Academicals, the podcast where we delve into the mythos of dark academia one book at a time. I'm Sarah Parnell. And I'm Sophie Waters, and this week we're exploring Vicious by V.E. Schwab. When Victor Vale meets Eli Ever at the prestigious and mysterious Lockland University, two darkly intelligent minds combine to uncover the secrets of becoming an EO, an extraordinary. They risk life and limb, quite literally, all in the name of science. Perfectly heroic Eli succeeds where Victor fails, and nursing a wounded ego, Victor's second attempt at becoming an EO sees him develop some electric superpowers, but with dire consequences, the fallout of which creates a decade-long vendetta pitching the two boys against each other. A dark and terrible tale of how morally ambiguous creating a hero and a villain can be. So this is Sarah's first V.E. Schwab novel, isn't it? It is. True, true. And this is my third, fifth if you count DNFs. Hmm. If that tells you how this episode is going to go. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get into that, We're just going to give you a few content warnings about Vicious because there are many. So the kind of main ones are death, violence, blood, suicide, self-harm, murder and animal death. Yep, we also have to give you a spoiler warning because we will be talking about all of the plot twists and turns in Vicious. So if you haven't read it and you still want to be surprised, then you probably should stop listening now, go read it and then come back. Make sure you come back, though. That's the important bit here. (laughs) (laughs) And while we're in admin mode, we are going to do a sneaky promo for our um, mailer, the darkacademicalsbookclub.substack.com, where there is going to be a special book club episode for Vicious going out in conjunction with this episode. So if you want um, kind of some more thoughts, some discussion topics... And also possibly a giveaway, I think. Maybe. Who knows? (laughs) You better subscribe and find out. (laughs) (laughs) There is, don't worry. (laughs) Also, the Dark Academicals Book Club is a silent book club. So we don't force people to have to interact to be able to enter giveaways or to... You just sign up for a mailer, just be there. Just be our friends. Yeah, just lurk, it's fine. (laughs) We appreciate you all. (laughs) But interaction is encouraged. Because we like it. And it's fun. (laughs) We don't bite. Right. So, Sarah, why why did we choose Vicious? Well... It seems to pop up on a lot of dark academia, academia, academia lists. Um, it just seems to be one of those staples, doesn't it? it yes, yeah. it's, it's just there. And I think because V. Schwab's such a big deal as well. Yeah, it's that combination of like the big hit of her as an author and the big hit of dark academia. I think it's just like a natural yeah. draw for every I mean, dark. You academia remember that list. that line at Yalk, like for oh my god, Schwab. Yeah. It nearly went out of the hall. It was huge. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it wrapped around, didn't it? Mm. Crazy, crazy. But yeah, she's she's a big deal. Yeah. Especially after exploding on TikTok with The Invisible mm. Life of Addie Laurie. Yeah. So we felt it only right to bring one of her novels to the Dark Academicals. So let's go. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) 
as ever, we will be running through our Tenets of Dark Academia, which were inspired by the legendary The Secret History by Donna Tartt. Um, and kind of comparing how the novel meets up to those tenets and if we think it's a dark academia novel and if you want more info on how we kind of reached these tenets and ideas of what makes a book dark academia you can go back to the beginning of the podcast and listen to our introductory episode which gives you all of the info that you need correct (laughs) (laughs) good good i'm glad (laughs) after trying to explain a duck academia to a person yesterday who didn't even know what a podcast is i did doubt whether i even knew what it was myself <laughs> it's difficult though because you go you know dark academia and if you if they don't if nobody if the person you're talking to doesn't know that term then good mm-hmm. luck really <laughs> yeah because i started like running through my the tenets and i was like that's not gonna mean anything <laughs> like <laughs> Look, we're a niche. (laughs) (laughs) We are, we are. So the first tenet that we kind of... It's it's probably one of the biggest ones, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is having a higher education setting. It'll often be on campus and usually elite or exclusive in some way. So this this does have a higher education setting, but not consistently. No, I felt like towards the beginning this was more present like it was more yeah. of a presence um but then but, it then it disappears yeah because the the timeline of this novel is chaos bonkers yeah <laughs> like i listened to it on audiobook and i actually found it quite difficult sometimes because you jump from current to 10 years prior to you know five years prior to after this present that we've been leaning up to for half the novel and then it's like 10 minutes to midnight and it's just it's quite challenging it is quite challenging and i read it physically and like the the by the end i just felt like i needed a rest because the chapters are i i like that the chapters are short because that made the read a lot easier um but like you said it's like 10 minutes to midnight yesterday 10 years ago tomorrow Mm. and a third and i'm like i i can't keep up (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i think that almost undermined the settings because you didn't know where you were in time let alone in place yeah like it it didn't matter did it in the end no and all of the big moments happen off campus apart from from maybe the murder of the lecturer I need to look up what that girl is called because I keep calling her Eli's girlfriend and she deserves a name for her part in this. I can't remember either. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what is she called? Oh no, that's really embarrassing. Angie. Angie, there we go. Poor Angie. Yeah. And she gets a gets the shit end of, of the stick, doesn't she? <laughs> she really does, yeah. It's, oh. I think she's actually one of the few characters that I actually connected with and emphasize emphasized that's not the right word. Empathized with. And yet she gets killed off so early. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, alright then. <laughs> I mean, 
it it wasn't i mean yeah her angie and sydney are probably the only characters that i kind of had any empathy for mm. the others i just I, didn't care no i liked sydney <clears throat> i didn't i didn't connect with her there was i think this is possibly like just my personal feelings about v schwab's writing and her characters and books like i just don't connect with her writing i don't think and her characterization for me isn't enough mm, i agree um i feel the same i think which for is me shame. when i'm reading any book is i have to have a character that yeah. i can cling to yeah I don't even but, have to like them, but I have to have a character that I kind of want to grab hold of for the rest yeah. of the book. Like, the plot can be absolute crap. If there's a <laughs> character that I love, I'll read anything. Yeah. You know, so. But yeah, higher education setting it definitely has one. Mm -hmm. But I don't think, I, don't, I just feel like it was a missed opportunity as well. Mm. Because the scenes that Lockland University could have been so much more. Yeah. And I think it could have anchored the story a little bit better in, you know, as that place they keep coming back to. But it's yeah. not. So that's a shame. Well, so we don't really kind of get enough background about the university. There seems to be like this emphasis on kind of exploring quite mad ideas really like yeah. mad scientist type mm. um dissertations going on <laughs> yeah but we don't kind of get a uh, insight into why no we don't we don't really see the university do we there's no it doesn't have a presence either it's it's just there yeah it, it's it's one <laughs> I think it's one of those things that's it's there as a convenient plot point rather than an integral part of the novel. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. it 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 wouldn't have mattered where Victor and Eli met and kind of came up yes with this. But it was just a very convenient vehicle because these are the kind of things that I suppose are easier to explain away by it being a dissertation piece yeah. or something. Yeah, definitely. And I guess that kind of covers with the old Gothic architecture as well, because I'm sure they, I'm sure some they describe it as Gothic at some point. Like it's so on the nose. I think I messaged you saying this is almost like a checklist. Oh yeah, like, you did. Yeah, because it's like I'm 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 almost certain that Victor kind of describes it literally using the word Gothic at some point. Right, but we don't actually see it. Well, I didn't. No. I didn't get enough of it to form it in my own head as this gothic setting. Yeah. I don't know why I struggled so hard <laughs> on the word setting there, but there we go. Yeah, it was just a little bit lacking in the setting. And setting's another thing like character. If the setting is vibrant and alluring enough then I couldn't give a crap about what happens in the plot. <laughs> True. You know, because I want to be there. Because it's it's about the atmosphere it creates, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Lacking for me. So, a preoccupation with classical studies. If you want to put science into a classical study, then sort of. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. 
Uh, but it's not even a... Does the fact that it's like unhinged science <laughs> yeah. take it into that classical element? That's what maybe. I think. That's what I was... Yeah. It's it similar takes... to a Frankenstein-esque yeah. um, obsession. But it's not... I, I think the key is it's not really an obsession for either of them. Like... Um, and I think that's because we don't spend enough time with them whilst they're at the university. Like, we don't see mm. much of the 10 years ago. No. Um, and I think because we don't see that build-up to this kind of frenzy that they seem to be in, it's almost quite... Well, it's not almost. It is quite jarring. Yeah. I found it really difficult to read the parts where they just seem to be okay with offing themselves. Like, mm. there's no build up to that it's just like oh this is how we'll become eos is if we kill ourselves sort of yeah and i found it really difficult to read mm. and speaking of eos there's no grounding for that mythology in the world like we're told that there are eos and that they need a near-death experience to create this like magical power but that's all we're ever told about it we don't yeah and it's not even like it's just uh almost like a legend or a or a myth because it's it's there are already existing like governing bodies that deal with it so there's like the inspector or the detective who's yeah. in whose job is to kind of investigate EOs. So it's already a it's already a thing. And I think as well you're not that's not clear in the beginning because at first it just sounds like absolute hogwash that Eli kind of <laughs> wants to become a superhero and you're like, all right, okay. Is this all just theory? But it's I think it I think it's not. I think EOs exist and people know they exist. But what he's concerned with is how that EO is created. Yeah, and if it can be generated without that trauma, that accidental event. Yeah. Kind of thing. Which is a very Dr. Frankenstein move. And you can yeah. see you can see the connections um with Frankenstein. But there's not enough build up, there's not enough context. And I keep using the word I know when we were talking about it's not Nothing is anchored in the story enough. Yeah. Because I think with something like this and with a mythology or world building, you need to have those points that fix the story, that fix the mythology, that are a launching point or an end point or like touchstones of the mythology. Yeah. Like our touchstones of Dark Academia. Yeah. You need to have some form of a structure for that extra element and that for me was just not there i think again that kind of comes back to how the novel itself is actually structured i think it's to yeah. a detriment of the actual plot and the the overall reading experience because mm. you don't get enough time with the characters either in their past selves or current selves to really connect yeah you're just kind of shown these little vignettes of kind of what's happening now and what happened then that you don't get enough time to build a relationship with them 
yeah, it's all doing like bam, 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 moving through the like ticking, as you said, ticking the boxes, isn't it? Ticking the boxes, yeah. But there is a whole lot of murder. (laughs) Oh my gosh, like there is a whole lot of murder, and it's not necessary. It's incredibly gratuitous. I also have an issue, and I know you have the same issue too. The whole near-death experience thing about creating an EO. That's the whole premise of how an EO is made. Yet they have to literally die and be revived. Yeah. In order to create experience. No. And that's the same for every character we meet that has that is an EO. They have died and come back. Yeah. That's just ignoring your own mythology. (laughs) And that is irritating. (laughs) But anyway, murder. 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 So much murder. Just, I don't even think I could list everyone. I think, I mean, I'll start with the one that upset me the most. And yeah. that was the twice murder of Doll the dog. Mm. Uh, we didn't need to have the dog in there. We only had it in there so that Sydney could show off her powers. It could have been mm-hmm. anything. Like, I would have been more comfortable with it being a human, to be honest. Yeah. Be- but, but that's just because I place animals higher than humans. <laughs> Especially like... Okay, so again, spoiler warnings, if you're still here <laughs> and you and you haven't read Vicious and you're thinking about it, this is a big spoiler warning. But So Victor kind of mercy kills the dog, which again, it's, they, they come across this poor wounded creature and it's not necessarily clear at first that actually this dog is dying. Mm. And then suddenly it's like, oh, well, he looks a bit mangled. Can we kill him? I don't know. I just really, it really upset me. Um, mm. So Victor puts the dog out of its misery, even though arguably the way that Victor's powers work, it would have been quite painful. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh Although he can take pain away. Either way, you know what I mean? It wasn't a... Wouldn't it have wasn't been a mercy. No. Um, and then Sydney brings him back. Great, the dog's alive again and it's well and they take it home. Awesome. But then the dog gets murdered again. Is it by Eli? Does Eli kill the dog? Uh, Shoots I the dog. I want to say yes. Yeah, because Eli likes his gun, doesn't he? So yeah. Probably. Um, <laughs> so then he's dead again. And... For what purpose? Like, it didn't serve anything. There because literally then, is nothing. Uh, this guy, Dominic, who, again, I don't even know where he, when he turned up. He was just suddenly <laughs> there, and I was very confused about who Dominic was. <laughs> I think I zoned out for when Dominic came in, but he has his power to almost, like, jump through, not through time, but make rips in reality yeah. and move about, a bit like teleportation. So he goes back and gets the dog, and the dog is brought back to life. It's great. But why? But for why? Mm, Yeah, it didn't answer me. (laughs) It didn't have any purpose there at all. But then I guess that's... So much of the murder in the novel doesn't have a purpose, does it? It's... No, I thought... um, I thought the one that could have been used more effectively Mm -hmm. was Angie's death. I think Angie's death only served to put Victor in prison... And then nothing else was said of it. Like, Victor isn't bothered. Eli isn't bothered. But then 
both of them are kind of unbothered about women generally anyway so yes that is definitely something we are going to talk about (laughs) a bit later (laughs) but yeah and the thing is like with this is something that you mentioned um when we were talking about it is that Angie's never brought back and it's never considered that Angie would be brought back but because we don't have enough context and knowledge about how EO powers work we don't know if that was an option or whether they just didn't care enough or yeah we don't really know (laughs) and honestly because the timelines are so convoluted I'm not sure whether it would have worked physically anyway. No, that's true. But we don't fully know how Sydney's powers work, other than she can bring back the recently deceased. Yeah. From what we know, but whether or not she can reanimate bones. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But that definitely creates a dark moody and or haunting vibe (laughs) i mean it does i think it definitely does have that yes absolutely (laughs) i'll give it that (laughs) so generous (laughs) (laughs) i know yeah i think for me of those three it's the moody (laughs) that comes out the most yeah i mean dark if you mean like grim dark like oh yeah yeah but not dark academia dark no Wrong kind of dark. Yeah. This is bloody, bloody stab, stab kind of dark. Where <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dark true. academia is more of an ennui kind of dark, you know? <laughs> That's so true, yeah. <laughs> and that is the, the distinction here. But mm. there is there is definitely a, a feeling of darkness and threat, isn't there? Yeah. And... Eli and Victor are haunted by each other. Yeah. And by their friendship. In, in on a literal take in that. Yeah. But if they'd have just made the most of the university, that would have just been so much stronger and so much yeah. more atmospheric. Because although it is dark and moody and a bit haunting, I don't think other than the first section, there's much atmosphere in the novel. Mm. You know? Yeah. I think it's just generally a bit lacking in that, honestly. I just think as well, like, the stakes feel higher before they've done it and they kind yeah. of achieve it quite fast and then it's just like, well, you've done it now. Do yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas if there was more of a lead-up, to that point mm. like more of them kind of exploring the different ideas whereas they just seem to jump on the bandwagon of the first idea they've got yeah it's like victor kind of goes right okay i'm killing myself like, yeah huh? and eli because he's an absolute sociopath is like <laughs> yep cool let's go yeah i think like as you've said before that comes down to the structure doesn't it yeah a different structure would have changed this novel completely. Mm. For the better, for me, I think. <laughs> because I think this this will lead into our next our next point. So our next point is hero worship of a particular figure or author. Mm-hmm. And I think this could have been more prominent and more present if we'd have seen Eli and Victor's relationship and how that developed yeah, better. Yeah, I think so too. Because I think by some of the 
some of the ways you can in- interpret like Victor's um, thoughts and feelings towards Eli are, are, you know, in the realms of hero worship. Like he's got this thing about yeah. Eli and how Eli seems to be everything that he wants to be, but won't admit it. Yeah, that's true. Um, but then, then they... obviously, he, but then obviously he obsesses about him for ten years in prison. Like there is a very dark and twisted version of hero worship, I suppose. Yeah, and that that kind of worship turns to fear and hatred, doesn't it, as well? Yeah. And that's a very dark academia move. That's yeah. not the right word, but no, I, can't I think get of you. No. no. So it, it gets twisted, doesn't it, into something else? Yeah. By the obsession. And that's yeah. very dark academia. Yeah. And then we've got old money, which will collide with new money or no money. This doesn't really come up. Not really. I think, isn't it kind of alluded to at first that one or the other doesn't have as much money as the other? I'm not sure which way around because I got them very confused at the beginning. I really struggled to tell them apart for a long time as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you are right though. But it's not a... It's not, not a barrier. A, no, or, not... A, or a cause of tension or anything like that. It's just... It just is. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that one just doesn't work. (laughs) No. (laughs) Weather as a literary device. No. I didn't notice any weather. There wasn't really any weather. Which is upsetting, because again, I think that could have really added to the... Even if it just added to the ambience, really. But, like, I think it could have been used, and it wasn't. Yeah. Especially if, like, V. Schwab was drawing on Frankenstein or trying to use Frankenstein. The weather in Frankenstein mm. is just it is pivotal. a masterclass. Yeah. <laughs> it's a masterclass of using weather. The and weather is a whole moment in Frankenstein. Like, it slays. Like, it yeah. is the one. And it just ramps everything up. And that was a huge missed opportunity. Yeah. I think, actually, no, that doesn't. Because I was going to say, maybe we have to take into consideration that Vicious was a... Maybe we have to take into consideration that Vicious was a really early novel for V. Schwab. It was in 2013. But Mm. Secret History was Donna Tartt's first novel. And Frankenstein (laughs) was Mary Shelley's first novel. So I think I just talked myself out of that that defence there. So move on. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) See, I I tried. I tried. tried. It just didn't work. (laughs) Um, So underdeveloped social skills or the protagonist is portrayed as an outsider. Mm. They are outsiders. They are, but I feel like they're more outsiders after rather than before and it's not like that kind of on the outside looking in because they've got each other quite early on as well and then there's angie and then there's no even like when victor rocks up at that random party like it's not like oh what's he doing there like he seems to be welcomed yeah (laughs) yeah they 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 position themselves as outsiders deliberately because they think they're better than everybody else yes and then then after the yeah, then they kind of make themselves 
better in yeah. quotation well, they, marks than everyone they else. They make themselves superheroes or supervillains yeah. or however you want to look at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't really see much of their interaction with other people outside of the main characters enough to know about their social skills. But yeah. arguably, Eli going around killing people would be a really bad social skill. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, I think Eli has some worrying social skills. Like, he's developed some negative social skills. Yeah, because he's a sociopath. Yeah, there's that. There's that yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Victor is also very concerning. Yeah. Because, you know, I think... he's... 32 and he's befriended a 12 year old a traumatized recently killed 12 year old yeah who when he finds out that it was his brother not brother his friend brother yeah um who tried to then also murder her he's like cool we can use this yeah I actually think it would be more interesting if they were brothers. I know. I, I keep thinking that they're brothers as well. Like, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because they're quite similar on, on page. Yeah. That would add some nice tension in, wouldn't it? Mm. Alas. Never mind. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, um, I think though, because we spend more time with Victor, his... Mm. Um, his foibles, shall we say, are more uh, understandable because we kind yeah. of see where he's coming from and we mm-hmm. kind of understand him more as a character, whereas Eli, he's just a shit. Yeah, but maybe that's maybe that is a comment on, you know, the heroes and villains because you're being told a story from a perspective, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And you're being shaped to view someone else as a villain. Whereas if we were on Eli's viewpoint would we see victor as more of a villain not yeah. more of a villain than eli <laughs> but more of a villain than we currently see him when we're in his point of view kind of thing yeah so do you think that could be an interesting um kind of direction I mean, that v schwab was going for there maybe yeah i do feel like there is that kind of question of heroes and villains and <clears throat> how a villain is created and what that looks like from different perspectives. Yeah. Um, but again, I just don't think it was... I don't think it had enough... Just enough. Know. Yeah, it just wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that is an interesting question, isn't it? Mm. It's like, what differentiates good, evil and morally grey? Mm. And that could have been a really interesting discussion or conflict in the book. And I think it was hinted at, but it wasn't really explored to the full potential. Yeah, and I think as well there's not... Oh, dear. (coughs) (laughs) I think as well there's not um, enough of a downfall moment. These two characters kind of start off as badans and Mm. continue as... And just grow into wrong-uns, like... <laughs> the villain progression <laughs> scale. <laughs> There's not really an arc. They don't kind of go up and they're kind of... No. ...warring with their selves morally or ethically. It's just... They're like, I'm right, and that's that. If you don't agree with me, then you go bye-bye. Yeah. Which arguably makes them very much villains. Yeah. It's not a, lot, a whole lot of conscience going on, is there? 
new. There's also not much room for debate with them. You couldn't reason with them, could you? No. Very self-absorbed, both of them. Yes, definitely. Shall we move on to criticisms and interpretation of isolated elements? Let's. Okie doke. So we want to talk a little... We've talked a lot about the violence in general. But we do specifically want to talk about the violence towards and the abuse of women in the novel, particularly vulnerable women. Yeah. Because the whole Sydney thing makes me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, agreed. Because she's 12 and she's kind of been abandoned by her parents and her sister. Her sister tried to get her killed. Did get her killed. She just happened to come back to life, as you do. Um, And as I said, she is 12 and Victor is 32. And we don't know how old Mitch is. We do not. And it just makes my skin crawl. Yeah, I think as well, because by the end, it's become clear that the grooming of Sydney is complete. Like, yes. where does she run when her sister tells her to go somewhere safe? She now has been conditioned to think that that's with Victor. Yeah. Victor Vale is not safe. <laughs> no. Nothing about any of them is, is a safe space. No. And uh, he uses her. He uses her for her powers while getting her to trust and believe in him that what he is doing is right and that Eli is evil and that they're working on the side of good, you know, (laughs) in a very classic grooming move. Yeah. And also, you know, even, even the way she ends up with them is a little bit ick though too, because doesn't he just kind of see her almost on the side of the street and just kind of picks her up like, oh, it's a wounded child. What should I do with this wounded child? I'll not get it help. I'll take it home. Yeah. This is before he even knows what her powers are. Like, I think he quickly realises that she's got some kind of ability. Mm. And I suppose in his mind, he's like, oh, I can probably use that. But yeah. Yeah. It's just, why did she have to be 12? Mm. Even if she was 16, it would make a bigger difference. It'd still be an ick. But 12 is just a child child. Yes, 12 is a child child. I just... And this is written by a woman as well. And that's what makes it worse for me. Yeah. Just, no, no. And she just experiences trauma after trauma after trauma. Like, yeah. And she is forced into violence. And I know, again, people have and will argue that, oh, it's not real. It's just fiction. But these are not the kind of storylines we should be perpetuating. Yeah. I think you have a responsibility specifically as a woman writer to I mean okay if you have that in the novel there has to be a violent argument against not violent that's wrong wrong word but there has to be a strong argument against why this is bad has to be a clear message of this is not okay 
this is not right and that there there isn't anything like i think you said there's no conscience in it yeah like and that applies here as well you know even if we saw sydney even have that realization but she doesn't mm. like i said it, no. it it the grooming is complete because she runs back to victor yeah and no one stops to think ah maybe you know i should uh get this girl out of this situation get this child to safety get this child protected from this gift that is going to be gift or curse however you want to look at it mm. is going to be used and abused by anyone and everyone that discovers that she has it yeah <sighs> disappointed really <laughs> i mean all of, that. all of the women are used and abused in this yep. book because angie i mean what the relationship between angie and victor is not entirely clear i don't think even victor's no. really clear it was sort of maybe just a close friendship but he wished for more i think yeah i think so um but then i didn't i know technically that angie was eli's girlfriend but it didn't really feel like that no. until she died yeah but again, that's because we didn't have enough time with them. True. Before I mean, and then it also happened. the way again, Victor treats Angie is horrific. Like he mm. tricks her by saying that I'm going to die if you don't help me. Yeah, which is classic abuse. Yeah, classic abuse. It's just, and even even Sydney's sister Serena. Mm. I mean, again, we don't fully... I don't think we fully understand the hold that Eli has over Serena. Because Serena has quite an interesting power in that she can persuade anyone to do whatever she likes. Like, why yeah. does this not work on Eli? Yeah, it... It didn't really make sense, did it? In theory, Serena should be the most powerful person in the world. Yeah. She should be calling the shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's... he, yeah, he, he. I'll just say he targets her, mm. and then uses her, sleeps with her, um, and he's gonna kill her, but doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all a bit wrong, isn't it? It's another age gap situation as well, because <coughs> obviously, like, even though Eli still looks twenty-one, he is also thirty-two. Hmm. and Serena's at college. Yeah. So although it's not as bad, it is yeah, at least, still... Yeah, I was say, at least she's an adult, but... She it's... is an adult, but it's it's still an abuse of power, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Disappointing on that front. Yeah. And also in the diversity or lack thereof. Yes. Because everyone is white. Everyone is cis, straight, as far as we know. Mm, that's like, how they present, presenting, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, which is, I don't know. There's not really like anything to say about it other than like it shouldn't be like that, is there? Like, yeah, and there was no, there's no reason why 
there couldn't be more diversity and I, I know you can't you can never argue for why there isn't diversity but like no. what I'm saying is if you changed the race or sexuality or gender of any of these characters it wouldn't have changed the focus of the plot no so why couldn't you why have, isn't it there yeah why couldn't that have had that representation so yeah I mean, that is a very dark academia um, element there. That's true. <laughs> the very disappointing element of dark academia, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you have hmm. any other general thoughts about Vicious? I really wanted to like it. And that's my, that's kind of my, going to be my closing statement is I really, <laughs> really, really wanted to like it. Yeah. Because I like dark, but... Mm. I mean, it's the wrong dark. <laughs> yeah, I it, it's very rare for me to be physically affected, like to feel mm. a bit sick by what I'm reading on the page. Like it's mm. very rare for me. Yeah, I read a lot of dark stuff, but this did it for me, and I think it's because it was just so flippant about it. Yeah, definitely. I think for me it was just lacking in the the context, the characterization, all of the things that anchor the story in place. Mm. Like I like V. Schwab's ideas. I like her themes. I just don't think they are executed in a way that is for me. Sadly. Mm, I would agree. So yeah. So is it Dark Academia? No. No, no, sadly not. I thought it was going to be in yeah. that beginning bit. I was like, oh, oh, but no. <laughs> didn't didn't quite get there. <laughs> no. Right. Would you like to announce to the people what um, our next episode is going to be about? I would. <laughs> so next episode, we will be exploring The Swallows by Lisa Lutz. Yes, we are. And this summary is literally so long that we're going to alternate reading it for you. <laughs> so you are welcome. A new teacher at a New England prep school ignites a gender war with deadly consequences. What do you love? What do you hate? What do you want? It starts with this simple writing prompt from Alex Witt, Stonebridge Academy's new creative writing teacher. When the students' answers raise disturbing questions of their own, Miss Witt knows there's more going on at the school than the faculty wants to see. She soon learns about the Ten, the students at the top of the school's social hierarchy, as well as their connection to something called the Dark Room. Miss Witt can't remain a passive observer. She finds the few girls who've started to question the school's boys-will-be-boys attitude and incites a resistance that quickly becomes a movement. But just as it gains momentum, she also attracts the attention of an unknown enemy who knows a little too much about her including what brought her to Stonebridge in the first place. Meanwhile, Gemma, a defiant senior, has been plotting her attack for years, waiting for the right moment. Shy loner Norman hates his role in the dark room, but can't find the courage to fight back until he makes an unlikely alliance. And then there's Finn Ford, an English teacher with a shady reputation who keeps one eye on his literary ambitions and one on Miss Wit. As the school's secrets begin to trickle out, a boys versus girls skirmish turns into an all-out war with deeply personal and potentially fatal consequences for everyone involved.
I'm excited for this. It feels a little bit like um, uh, Phoebe Wynn. Yeah, yeah. The, um, Madam. Madam, mm. yes. It gives me Madam vibes. So yeah, yeah. I am excited. And this yeah. is going to be our last book of season three. I know. Can you believe it? Already. Madness. So we hope you have enjoyed this episode and that you hopefully enjoyed Vicious a little bit more than we did. Um, and we would love for you to leave a review for us. Subscribe if you're not already subscribed to the podcast. Um, and if you would like to subscribe to the mailer at the Dark Academicals Book Club. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.